Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Minor Podcast. I'm Steve Seiper, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Levin, and Thomas Henderson. So, uh, happy Easter, I guess. Yes. To all of those people. There, there must be some sort of joke here about the Mets' chances of signing Lindor rising from the dead three days <laughs> after it seemed like they were doomed. Well, that is promote extend trade. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so yeah, if you distill Easter into its most basic component, a guy died and came back. So uh what players are we going to promote extend trade who had their careers die, but then they improbably were able to come back? No, who literally died on the field. <laughs> and then came back. Uh-huh. Who was the guy that died? Ray Chapman. Not yeah. good. He did not come back. <laughs> um so our first career that died was Josh Hamilton, but then he came back and he won an MVP award in 2010, and he was elected to five All-Star games after getting his uh, his second chance. Next player is R.A. Dickey, and he won 2012 Cy Young Award, and he was elected to the 2012 All-Star game, and he should have started. And yes. finally, last but not least, the man himself... The inventor of the genre, Tommy John. And he hmm. came in second place for the Cy Young Award a couple of times. 
and he was elected to three All-Star games. I mean, the the, the historical answer yes, and the I, Met-biased answer yeah. are different here. <laughs> I'm trading Hamilton regardless. Same. Um, so it really depends if I want to be a homer or if I want to um, recognize history. And I haven't decided yet. Oh, I'm so totally I have an, I have an argument, Ari Dickey. Ari Dickey? Ari Dickey? Whatever. Ra. Um, Ra Dickey. Yes. Yes, I know it's ass, but it's an argument with regard to Dickey. Did he really come back so much as never make it in the first place and reinvent himself? Uh, that's okay. I see where you're you're getting to like technique. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You're not necessarily wrong either. Because he wasn't. I love me some R.A. Dickey. Yeah, I feel you. I mean, he was the first round draft pick. That's also true. I mean, he he he, right. He did have to reinvent himself with the knuckleball. Um. When did that happen? Two thousand and like five, six. I mean, he was kind of like out of affiliated ball, kind of, but not really. Like that was his last like hope. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, he was like you know a, a, a flame throwing kind of fastball slider dude. So that's that's hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> See, I never quite understood. Like, it seemed like he was working fine without the ligament, and then they freaked out because he didn't have it. Uh, I, I'd like to understand the bio- biomechanical reason why there was so much concern over him not having the ligament if he's already throwing hard. Um, anyway, I think you got to extend Cy Young. I might actually... I don't know, I'm tempted to promote Josh Hamilton, but... Probably promote Dickey and trade Hamilton. Well, I just want to remind you, if you want to continue being on the show, <laughs> you know what you need to do. Uh-huh. There's one correct answer. <laughs> the amazing thing about Tommy John is he did the surgery, which is like even now is like a very intensive and it's a year plus. And we saw what happened with Zach Wheeler. It took him like two years. Like it's it's a tough surgery. And he did it in like the 70s or 80s, mm-hmm. and then 75. had a very. So if he did it in 75, right? He played from 76 to 89. After that, like, because I'm looking at his Fangraphs page right now, and he was good for the most part. Like he had some rough years when he got older. Um, but like even at like in 87 and 88, he was still like a three win pitcher. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive when you think about it. Like I think. His career is kind of underrated because he's the Tommy John surgery guy, and granted, it's because it was like a groundbreaking surgery, but also he was quite good. I mean, the year after he came back from the surgery in 1976, he threw 207 innings and he had a 309 ERA, so that's pretty good. Yeah, with with his you know uh, true to the era. <laughs> Walk rate, his walk per nine rate of 2.7 and his strikeout per nine of four. Oh yeah, he was, he was mowing them down. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's Dickey because Dickey did all this and then came back and won a Cy Young. And like, to do that is incredible. Like, to reach literally the pinnacle of the sport as a pitcher. 
can I, let me let me at least make the case for Hamilton, right? Like these got like Tommy John and Dickey came back from very significant injury issues. Uh, Hamilton came back from serious, like serious personal demons, you know, right? And mm-hmm. that's on some level more impressive to me. And I don't want to relitigate whether he relapsed with the angels towards the end and, and who's culpable there. Like, I don't really care. The fact that he was able to overcome that at some point is, is impressive. Um, uh, regardless of what's happened uh, since. I mean, if you want to be completely objective, I think that he, his, his second chance was objectively the best out of everybody's here maybe tommy john you could give it to just because of longevity i mean he pitched for another like 15 years after he got the surgery so I and mean, also like i said tommy john did it at a time when like technology was i mean technology medicine was not the same as yeah, it is now that's Ca- captain obvious statement but like he did it he didn't he didn't do this in 2010 he did this in the 70s and the 80s which is like what to even like one, make the choice to have Tommy John surgery or whatever it was at the time. Two, to actually have it work and come back is a, is a credit to the doctor who did it. Mm-hmm. And then three, he had like 15 years after that. <laughs> That's crazy. Doesn't really look like he had too many. Uh... Oh, no. Yeah, he did. Never mind. Say he uh, in those later years, though, but he had some injury issues. Missed, seemed, seems to have missed some time, but. Yeah, and Josh, like, dude, uh, not particularly relevant. Josh Hamilton also put on like the single best home run derby performance that is, of all time. Yeah. Like that was nut, nuts. What would you, what would you say was better? The one two years ago with Pete Alonso and Vlad Guerrero Jr. or. No, the, the, the format Hamilton. was better for Hamilton, I don't know. right? Because like he just kept going. There was no time limit, right? So. Yeah, that was outs at the time, right? Like, right. Mm-hmm. And he oh, just kept I, I parking the them in the third derby deck. Is, I don't know. I think the home run derby is just objectively better now than it was then. Like, objectively more fun with the time limit. Uh, I mean, I could see the case. I guess it depends on the people. Like, if there was just some schmucks that I don't care about in it, I'm like, eh, whatever. But the fact that it was Pete Alonso. That makes it more fun. I'm not a fan of the time limit, so I guess I would need to see more guys that I care about in it, or more like good duels like we had in 2019. Like I kind of prefer the out format. I'm with you, Steve. Like I want to see a dude just go and right. go and like you want to you keep hitting them, you get to keep swinging. Like I I could be swayed. Yeah. I think you get more dingers in the the time limit though. Is my sole reason for liking it. Hmm. It's like um like Giancarlo Stanton a couple years ago in uh in San Diego. And you guys remember that where he's just yeah, like yeah. smacking baseballs off of like buildings. <laughs> um, I mean with that with the timer obviously you have to like just be locked in. You just got to like Yeah, just no, be a machine. And I, I think it's it's more suited to getting into a rhythm. Yeah, you know, demolishing baseballs one after another in quick succession. Has anyone considered the pace of play here in this conversation? (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, the time format's certainly better for the pace of play in the home run derby, that's for sure. <laughs> Gotta get in all those commercials. Uh, I'm, I'm currently watching the Josh Hamilton home run derby performance. It's just 500 footer, 500 footer, third deck, third deck, 500. It's, 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 it's it was, back yeah. of the, it, I mean, we'll put it like this. It was, it was 10 years ago, basically, and we still remember it. So, yeah, I don't, I don't really, aside for, you know, the, the, aside for Pete Alonso's batting, his pitcher dude, like, sucking, and Pete Alonso winning, I couldn't tell you anything oh, his else. Cousin or whatever? Oh, yeah. Uh, Vlad yeah. Guerrero. No. That was, that was it, Vlad Guerrero's derby. Honestly, I loved that derby with, like, Vlad and Pete going pretty much haymaker for haymaker. That was really fun. There was something really fun about them, like, really going at it. We've really lost the thread of this promote extend trade, haven't we? That's okay. Yeah. Promote Listen. extend trade, favorite home run during... <laughs> That's a good one. We should save that for, for all-star break time. We if should. Chick stick the long ball, so that's all that matters. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, let's move on, then, to our way-too-early draft updates. And my guy, uh, Jed Fabian, is not having a good week. His second consecutive really bad week. He went one for 14 with two walks and nine strikeouts. But luckily, that one hit was a home run. So that's good. But that brings him to a total batting line of 234, 350, 542 on the year. With nine homers, 16 walks. <laughs> in 46 strikeouts Jesus. in 26 games. So stock uh, down. I'm starting to worry a little bit about his 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 real uh, draft stock here. A little uh, bit. I mean, the, the entire dude swings and misses a lot. Yeah, it's always scary. I'm trying to think of the last time there was a notable college hitting prospect to struggle to that degree and still go high. Cameron Meisner, like last year or two years ago. Yeah, we mentioned him last week. Yeah, but he went in the the second compensation round, Mm -hmm. like around like 50 or whatever. I mean, look, no matter how much this dude strikes out, I'd still be willing to take a gamble on him in the, if he's sitting there in the second, like. For sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, the thing, like, the strikeouts I don't really care about, the fact that he's like, just, he's, the, the average is really bad, like, mm. college hitters are supposed to hit, like, laughably, especially yeah. first rounders, they're supposed to be, like, laughably high, you know, averages, and this is not so much. For me, it's like, I don't care about strikeouts in, the major league level, like, if you're Adam Dunn or something. But, like, when you're striking out then, it's like, well, what are you going to do when you're facing yeah. double like yeah, You know what I mean? going to get better from here. Yeah, yeah like, like yeah. yeah, the pitchers you're facing are simply just going to start getting a lot better, like Ken said. And that's, that's what the concern is for me. It's strikeouts at that level. It's not necessarily, like, strikeouts bad because they're kind of whatever to me. But, it's like, as an analytical type of thing, when I'm talking about major leaguers, but at the prospect level, it's tough because when you're facing Jacob DeGrom, like, or someone at that ilk, he's just going to kill you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, give me some, give me some good news. Lucas, how is Brady House doing? So, like, don't pick me. <laughs> uh, uh, House clearly is slumping since his OPS has fallen below 2000. You know, it's only 1976 now. 
Trade. Uh, just awful. No, in reality, the issue is just walking a ton now. His OBP is up to 750. He's batting 640. <laughs> batting a robust 642. Yes, that is his batting average, not his slugging. He's still slugging 1226. He um, might be good. He might be good. The, yeah, uh, uh good. Uh, pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. I would, at this point, I'm beginning to think he's not going to be there at 10 even. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's it's possible if he keeps hitting 600. Yeah, I would do it. I mean, it, of course, like it, it, I, I picked a high schooler, and the, the the side effect of that is that the stats are much less meaningful than what you guys bring from the college guys. Um, Kylie has been pumped. The Kylie McDaniel pumped him a little bit on Twitter. It's Oh yeah, you, know, you watch him, and it's and it's not just him beating up shitty high school pitchers. There's legit bat speed there. He's huge. Um, and I haven't seen any clips of him playing defense, but the reports are still that he has a shot to stick it stick it short and has the tools to be above average at third if he has to move. So good thing the Mets don't have to worry about that. Am I right? Mm, yeah, that's very yeah, true. Well, look, it's a baseball. You take best player no matter yep. what. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, and this the bat is super legit. I think um, Brady House still still smacking the ball around. Yep. All right. Well, Thomas, I need you to bring some pessimism back to this podcast. So, how's Jaden Hill doing? Well, he got hurt. Wow. <laughs> um, uh, not he threw what like you want. thirty pitchers or so, and then I think it was thirty-four exactly, and then he um looked pretty uncomfortable on the mound, and then the trainers came out, and he tried to pitch. Like, he tried to throw some uh, warm-ups to, like, stay in the game, and he just couldn't, and they, they pulled him. And um, so we'll see. That might make him drop to 10. That might be bad because he's already had a major elbow injury, and this he got hurt again. So if it is his elbow, you know, like, we have to kind of wait and see what the injury is first before we really say anything about his draft stock. But it just sucks because oh, he yeah. was fun. Well, it's fun. I mean, it it sucks really for any athlete to kind of have to deal with injury issues, but it really, really sucks for a college player who is like at this point in his career where he's about to get drafted, and it's like this could not come at the worst time for him. Yeah, I just feel so bad, like literally feel bad for him because like that's the difference between a lot of money with the slot too, even Mm -hmm. if he does Mm -hmm. get taken in the first round. Like if he does fall to 10 or even past 10 if it's really bad. Or a JT Ginn situation. And, like, then you he's just making less money to start his career when he's going to make pennies in the minors. So, it just... Well, what was Ginn's bonus? Like, one point, two points? I mean, yeah, it's, but he could have made more. If, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, sure, I'm not going to be like, oh, poor guy made $1 million. But when three or four are on the table, it sucks. Mm-hmm. It sucks, um... What's the word? Um... Like, respectively to what he could have made. JT Gain got 2.9 million. Oh, he got more than I thought. Wow. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not like it's a situation where he's, um, an established player who's been making, you know, the major league minimum for a couple of years, or maybe he signs his first pretty good contract and, and has a couple million dollars to his name. Like, mm-hmm. he's, you know, a 20 year old kid. I don't know his financial situation in life, but at best he's maybe upper middle class, you know, which we're still talking about 
any kind of major league um, signing bonus is going to be life altering. So yeah, definitely is sucky. It's just I hope it's not serious. Yeah, if he if it turns into a JT Gain situation, second round pick, uh, yes, please. And like I would assume that while we lauded Brody for his draft process the last few years, I would assume that the guys who they kept around, it's the same scouting group. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's, if they maybe do something similar. I don't know if Sandy, what he would want to do. And I don't even know if Sandy's going to be involved because he didn't really want to be involved with the baseball side of things in the first place. Anyway, that might be Scott's call. Who knows? But it, I'm very curious in general to what the Mets do at draft time, because it might be totally different or it might just be like, this was the scouting staff who wanted to do the three big players and <laughs> everyone else, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they deserve criticism for a lot of their amateur side stuff, but yeah. in the last decade, their first round picks have been pretty good. Uh, I mean, Sacchini is the only one who's been an objective failure. Everyone else is a major leaguer at this point. Um, a few real good players in that mix. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Har- Harvey w- was. Uh, top of their line, like top, best pitcher in baseball before the injury, and they've got Conforto, Dom Smith, Nemo. I mean, really looking at it, it's Harvey, Nemo, Michael Fulmer, Chikini, which, yeah, Polwecki, which, I mean, he's a he's back really pitcher. Tough. Yeah. Dominic, it, so. Conforto, Justin Dunn, Anthony Kay, David Peterson, Kalenic, Beatty, and Armstrong, P. Armstrong. So, like, that's a strong group of first round. That's more hits than most teams. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> For first rounders. And hey, they picked 10, which is a good spot. Mm-hmm. Alright, well, Ken, if the Mets pick Adrian Del Castillo at 10, are we going to be more height this week or less? Uh, really still the same. Um, <laughs> remarkably consistent. <laughs> this the, freaking uh... guy. Yeah, he went 0 for 4 last Sunday against Virginia, uh, but then went 2 for 4 on the 31st against Florida International University and 1 for 4 against Duke on um, the 2nd. Uh, all doubles, so, you know, still kind of <laughs> smacking the ball a little bit. Uh, he's now up to 298, 394, 500, basically exactly where he was a week ago. And, uh, strikeouts are still basically even with the walks. Uh, I really like 10 that. walks against That's good. 11 strikeouts. That is my shit like. right there. <laughs> That's the stuff you like. Yep. So, more or less unchanged. Hmm. We could probably repeat our discussion about. Uh, lack of over questions about the over the fence power, but mm. I mean, doubles are good. It's catcher. It's pretty good line for catcher. Yep. Yep. If your catcher does that, you're basically a three four five season. So yep. If your catcher does that, you're chilling. Especially now, it's just oh boy. Like <laughs> it's like by col- by college catcher standards, who can actually play defense? It's not Adley Rutschman, but it's right behind that. Mm-hmm. There are also not a lot of badly regiments. Yeah. All right, we will move on now from the NCAA to Asia, and we will update, give updates on the CPBL, KBO, and MPB. 
So the CPBL team, the Uni Lions, they are currently six and seven after going three and one this week. And the news of the week uh, is definitely that Tim Melville, he pitched a no hitter. He walked five and he struck out 10 um, en route to a Lions 13 to nothing victory over the new expansion team, the Weishon Dragons. And then on the hitting side, Anko Lin is starting the season out strong. He is currently hitting 364, 453, 659 with three homers and three stolen bases in 13 games. That'll so, play. Yeah, that will definitely work. Um, moving over now to the KBO, the LG Twins are currently undefeated with a 0-0 zero and zero record. Uh, the season started Saturday and all but one game was rained out, so... Not much going on in Korea. And finally, the Occult Swallows. And, well, they had a winning week. So, don't remember the last time. Literally has been probably over a year since that happened. Can't predict baseball. Nope. They went 3-1 and with two ties this week. So, that brings them to 3-3 and with two ties on the season. God, I hate that they have ties. Yeah, it's just something, just, it's it just like objectively wrong. There are no ties baseball. in baseball. I know. <laughs> also, I know we mentioned last year the monsoon season in Korea overlaps with base, with their baseball season, but that, we're not there yet, are we? That's more in the summer? I believe, yeah, that in Asia it's more like June, July. Okay. So just rainy and unlucky this week. Yeah. And also it's literally just one game. Like the season started uh, today, technically, yesterday, you know, because of the time difference and everything. So, um, And with the Swallows, we were hoping that uh, Munitaka Murakami was going to have a good season, and he definitely is off to a, a strong start. He's currently hitting, in eight games, he's hitting 200, 429, 680 with four home runs, and is leading the Central League with those four homers in eight games. That'll work. Yeah. We'll also play. Unfortunately, uh, Tetsuo Yamada is not getting... Is, he's he's not hitting particularly well right now. But again, it's eight games, so hopefully he can get back to his winning ways and have another 30-30 season. You know what is fun about these updates that we're doing them now? Is uh, there's more of a chance the Mets will be interested in the good players that we talk about <laughs> than ever before? <laughs> That's like, very true. Like it's it's we we're laughing, but like there was never a possibility with the Wilpons. Like they were just never after Kaz Matsui. They were just like, no, we're not. This is a market we don't care about. But like now, I could kind of be like, oh yeah, there's a good pro, a, a good um, Asian player posted. Like it's hard with New York. A lot of a lot of um, Asian players want to stay on the West Coast because obviously logistical reasons. But like. It'd be kind of cool to get, like, a really good Asian player. That'd be fun. That'd be different. Yeah, it was kind of sucky that uh, I wanted Sogano... Yeah, yeah, I wanted him really badly. I thought he was going to be fun. I I mean, I'm very disappointed. I, my stance on... I think I'm the low guy on Taiwan Walker, and Sagano probably would have taken a similar AV. I'm very disappointed they didn't grab Sagano, but... I mean, he can just opt out next year, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sure that he will be back. The the way that his contract is structured, it's literally like a five-year deal with opt-outs after every season to let him go test uh, the 
American market pretty much. And the Mets were obviously interested. I honestly think that they stopped because of Carrasco. Um, yeah. Because they got Lindor and Carrasco like that week, I think, or a little bit after. So I think it was kind of like they wanted Sagano to be the Carrasco-type signing, and then they realized that they were going to get Carrasco instead, so they just didn't do that, which I wouldn't have done. I would have just gotten both of them, but I'm not the GM. Um, so I wonder if they swoop back in on that when he inevitably uh, opts out and tests again, because they were interested. It was very much the Mets being interested. Yeah, I would hope so, because he is a pretty good pitcher. Mm-hmm. Also probably, and this is depressing to mention, but I mean, Tanaka mentioned that part of the reason he went back to Asia was his family not feeling totally safe. And given yep. mm-hmm. recent events, that's uh, understandable and unfortunate. Um, oh, I wouldn't be surprised if that was a big reason why Sagano stayed. And COVID, too. Yeah. Getting worse here. And um, it's just he'd rather be home, which I don't blame him. Yeah. Well, maybe one day Tomo Sagano met. Would be nice. That'd be cool. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. All right, so the minor league season is not going to start for about another month or so now. But because decisions at the major league level have such an impact on AAA teams, even though we're about a month out, we we have a pretty good idea of who's going to be on that team, the Syracuse Mets, what their strengths are, you know, what their weaknesses are going to be, so on. Um, I read a description I like, actually, of what AAA is. It was from Ramona Shelbourne, who was a, a writer for ESPN a couple of years ago. And she described AAA as, quote, a collection of young prospects speeding through the system on the fastest treadmill. Guys used to be young prospects in danger of flaming out. The 30-somethings trying to get back in the majors after an injury or a rough patch. And the guys just playing a few more seasons because someone wants them and they still want to. It's kind of depressing, but that is basically AAA in a nutshell. You get yeah. all kinds of, all kinds of, uh, players from all kinds of backgrounds and all kinds of different situations. So before we actually talk about who is probably going to be on the team, we need to address some technical stuff because the 2021 season is going to be very different from the 2019 season, the last time that we had a minor league season. Uh, Obviously, Syracuse is the Mets AAA affiliate, and in the past they were in the International League, but now they are in the very creatively named AAA East. Um, <laughs> more specifically, they're in the AAA East Northeast Division. Oh yes. So Gold I love right me off the tongue. I love me some East Northeast baseball. Sponsored How about you by guys. Um, so the other teams in the division are the Buffalo Bisons. They are a Blue Jays affiliate. The Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. The Phillies affiliate. Rochester Red Wings, the Nats affiliate, the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders, the Yankees affiliate, and the Worcester Red Sox, the Red Sox affiliate. Um, 
schedule is also going to be very different from what we're used to. And at this point, I don't know if it's because of Corona or if it's going to be like a permanent thing. But basically, in order to limit traveling, teams are going to face each other in weekly increments with every Monday being the off day or the travel day or whatever. So Syracuse is going to be playing the Rail Riders the entire first week of the season. Then they're off on that Monday, and then they're going to play the Woo Sox for a week, then the Iron Pigs, then the Red Wings, and so on. And this year, the schedule is completely in division. So everybody in the AAA East-Northeast is going to be playing each other. Uh, wash, rinse, repeat all year. That name is so bad. I know. <laughs> literally, every time you say it, I laugh. <laughs> it's it's hard not to. Um, so that that format definitely cuts down on travel time, and that is one of the legitimate things that Major League Baseball said that they wanted to address um, when they wanted to look into revamping the minors and these weekly block things. Definitely does cut down on travel time. Definitely good in the era of Corona, you know, not, you know, want to be going back and forth a lot. I don't know. I'm not really too big of a fan of this. It was, it's fun when you go see other teams and, and, you know, in the span of a week, you could see, you know, three different teams, whatever the home team is. And, you know, their, their opponents at the beginning of the week and then their opponent at the end of the week, because you just get to see more guys, you know, so. So I'm fine with this rule or this scheduling, I guess, not rule, um, because of coronavirus, because it's COVID and, um, like, I'd rather them be safe than, like, yeah, as I safe mean, as possible. Like, it's, just, it's the same thing, like, it. like, I don't want when the, when the virus is over or we're past it or whatever it is, I don't want the seven inning DHs to stay. I'm, the doubleheaders, not DHs. But I would like, I'm fine with it now because a lot of games are going to get canceled and you're going to have to play a lot of doubleheaders and that's a few less game, a few less innings on the pitcher's arms and that keeps pitchers active. So I'm fine with it because of the situation. But if it lasts after this, then I'll be annoyed because I'll be yeah. like, you don't have to do this anymore. Like it's one of those things that because of how serious the virus is and how, um, the, how much you have to think ahead and how the precautions have to be, I don't mind it. I am. I guess I'm to say taking the other stance where I'm fine with this being permanent. Uh, I, I know, like in theory, these pro, the the AAA teams are supposed to be, uh, or the minor league teams in general are supposed to be an entertainment product. But speaking totally candidly, like it's never been an entertainment product. I'm totally invested in. I'm invested in it because it's a development environment more than anything else, and I think less travel even post-COVID gives you better development. Like, I don't think guys benefit from hanging out on the bus for six hours or whatever. But I, I can get... Team bonding. Yeah, oh, good, good. <laughs> um, I can understand why people would, would get bored playing the same three teams over and over again. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, it's those guys are going to get to know each other real well. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, the only thing that bums me out is like, um, like most prospects now, I'm I'm just not going to have access to see (laughs) selfishly, you know, Mm -hmm. 
like um there used to be some overlap with like west coast teams having affiliates out here especially in the low minors and uh that's not going to be a thing anymore so yeah you're going to have to seek them out yeah if you want to see someone so but yeah the, the you know definitely good for corona times to limit the amount of travel mm-hmm all right, so with that out of the way, now let's look at Syracuse Mets, potential Syracuse Mets. Uh, let's look at the managing situation first. Uh, Chad Kruder, he was a late appointment to the position in 2020 when Brian Schneider, who was the manager, he was promoted to oh, a role in the Mets, yeah, like maybe a month before the season was supposed to start. So he went from being a late appointment in 2020 to now having over a year to prepare. So, um, before he was a manager, he was a journeyman catcher. He played for a bunch of teams from 1988 to 2003. Um, and the most notable thing about his career, I guess, most like, well, not, not most likely, I, I, really it is, I guess, is an unfortunate off the field incident that he was involved in. Um, well, it kind of was on the field. I don't, I don't really know how to describe that, but basically in the middle of a game between the Dodgers and the Cubs in 2000, a uh, guy in the, in the, uh, stands, like basically hit him in the back of the head and stole his hat. And him and a bunch of other relievers for the Dodgers literally jumped into the stands and like, what? The crap out of this guy. <laughs> You've never seen this, Thomas? It's fantastic. No. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> There was about like a like a ten fifteen minute like suspension of the game while they had to like sort this all out. Like that's insane. They really I I don't know. There must have been more to it than just like grabbing his hat because that doesn't really seem like the proper reaction. You know. I was about to from, say from yeah. what I've read about it, they were getting heckled pretty heavily. Not just like normal heckling, a pretty harsh insults the entire time right. and then some moron just decided to grab a hat to be clear if you're in the front row don't do this this makes no. you a douche uh but caveman brain lucas still enjoys a good brawl <laughs> so uh, i get a kick out of watching it definitely one that stands out that's also extremely minor leagues yes. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like one of my early one cyclones memories in the stands yeah one of my <laughs> One of my early Cyclones memories is I was sitting next to these two guys and they were drunk and they were like, one guy was like, I'm going to run onto the field. And the <laughs> other guy was like, do it. And everyone in the, se- in the, in the section was like, don't do it. And he was like, no, I'm do-. And he runs onto the field and catcher Mike Jacobs like lays him out. Oh, oh. all the people oh. like, like he's running around the field like an idiot and, like, he runs by him, and, like, you could see he was pissed. Like, Mike Jacobs was just like, what are you doing? You're a moron. And he just, like... This is my job. Yeah, he just <laughs> flattens him. And the dude just, like, gets taken away. And I was just like, oh. And now every time I think... Whenever I would think of Mike Jacobs doing whatever, I'm just like, I remember when he, like... And he hit him, man. He knocked him down. Like, he smoked that dude. It was Mark great. Mike Jacobs, big boy. Oh, he's yeah. a big boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But like not it's saying just like he move, not saying he moves like a linebacker because he doesn't, but he oh, he hit him like one. Yes. <laughs> so That's after oh yeah, after Kruder retired, not too long after that incident, he managed the Modesto Nuts, the Rockies High A affiliate, 
he coached at USC for a couple of years, and some people say he was the single worst manager in USC history. Uh, and then he worked with the Diamondbacks as a minor league field coordinator. And then the Mets hired him in 2017, and he coached for St. Lucie for three years. In 2017, they went uh, 63 and 75. In 2018, they went 54 and 76. And they finally had a 500 or better finish in 2019 when they went 68 and 66. Obviously, more important than wins and losses in the minor leagues is development. And maybe I'm putting a little bit too much stock in just some token quotes. But Pete Alonso gave Cruder a lot of credit for helping him get out of the funk that he was in in 2017 in uh, when he was with St. Lucie. When he broke his hand like the second game of the season and then he really struggled when he came back. Uh, Alonso said that Kruder and the, and the hitting coach at the time, Luis Natera, they really helped him with like fixing his mechanics, slowing his hands, and just working on like the mental aspect of the game. Uh, when you think about it, actually, it, it's that's kind of it, it's crazy when you think about it because that really was like one of the first times that Pete Alonso ever really like dealt with failure. <laughs> I mean, he was a, an amazing high school hitter he was an amazing college hitter he was you know like hitting 200 or whatever it was at the time in st Lucie. like that's the first time he was ever like not yeah. good that's tough <laughs> for a young kid yeah yeah but he credits crudo with helping him a lot with that and obviously pete uh rebounded so but yeah hopefully uh Kruder is a good uh Players coach, I guess. So now we'll look at the team. And like we're saying, rosters are not going to be finalized for like another month or so. So we're not going to know anything for sure. But given what AAA is, it's a place for backups and replacements and minor leaguers who've been grinding. They just haven't really gotten the call yet. We could, we can make a pretty good guess of who's going to be playing for Syracuse. So catching situation is most likely going to be Caleb Joseph and Bruce Maxwell. Uh, sure. Inf- <laughs> yeah. That's there. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> they can catch the ball. So good enough. See, that's bad enough. I thought Caleb Joseph had stopped catching. Um, <laughs> I mean, he might have. I don't really don't know. I believe he did at one point because of all the concussions. But hey, if, look. if he's healthy enough to do it, great. The infields will be some amalgamation of Louis Carpio, Jose Peraza, Brandon Drury, Jake Hager, David Thompson, and Wilfredo Tovar. Remember some minor league guys there, and Brandon yeah. Drury. So, um, honestly, there's some useful depth there. Like, it'd be nice if we had a top infield prospect hanging around in case of injury, but like. Jose Peraza, Brandon Jury, yeah. both could could be reasonable bench bench <laughs> reasonable bench guys. Yeah, like it's that's not a group that's gonna wow you with anything, but they can make the all can make the routine play and they they could be the twenty sixth dude for like two weeks. Yeah, exactly. Not, and not, not gonna be kill like you. laughable. Looking at the outfield, it's going to consist most likely of Janushri Fargus, Quinn Brody, Drew Ferguson, Malik Smith. Same thing. Like, none of these guys I would want as a starting player on 
you know, the Mets, but as a replacement for a game, mm-hmm. Sunday lineup, pinch hit, like, oh, okay. I mean, pinch run in, in Malik Smith's case and uh, Fargus's case because they're very yeah, fast. Don't, 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 yep. don't dish, dish my boy Janushri. <laughs> I think the most notable thing out of all those names, though, is the name that's glaringly missing. And we have to uh, continue, I'm continue oh. pouring one out for our boy Tim Tebow. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Friend of the show. Look, him patrolling the vast center field of Syracuse would have been incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Starting rotation now. Um, this is, I think, is going to be a strength of the team, but at the same time, in 2019, the international ball, international league ball, now the AAA East Northeast ball was (laughs) (laughs) kind of, uh, home run prone. So if, if the ball is going to be, you know, flying out of the stands, that could be problematic because yeah, the most likely starting rotation for the Syracuse is going to be relying on a lot of guys that are kind of fly ball pitchers, with Jordan Yamamoto, Hal Gonzalez, Jared Eichoff, and Corey Oswalt. So that's actually a fun little group. It, it yeah. yes, in in a vacuum, like that's a really solid AAA rotation. Even and like that, those, that is the best AAA rotation this team has had in a decade. Honestly, you're not. <laughs> Look, as someone who recapped Aaron Laffey giving up like 15 runs <laughs> oh my God. immediately uh, after, yeah. um, yes, this is a lot better than what we're used to. <laughs> like excluding those two month stretches where we where there were like two of the big five pitching prospects, like by which I mean Harvey, Thor, Degrom, Montero, Wheeler, and Matt. I guess that's six. Whatever. Excluding the brief stretches where there'd be two of them in a Triple A rotation. I don't yeah. know how often that was. Uh, the AAA rotations have been a goddamn tire fire. <laughs> it's They've it, lost it, a lot of guys overseas to Asia. Yeah. Which is uh, something maybe you don't want. No. It's, it's literally <laughs> been like 35-year-old dudes who used to be good or like, 20 old, or like 28-year-old career minor leaguers who are never going to be good. And it's like there was never anything in between that outside of when the Mets actually had pitching depth in AAA. And then, of course, it was in Vegas, so they got lit up anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... They're legit prospects here. Like, uh, well, I think Yamamoto... Steve and I are on the different sides of the Yamamoto evaluation. I think Yamamoto's a legit prospect who I quite like, even though he's not rookie eligible anymore. Um, Harold is Harold. Corey Oswalt, future relief ace, question mark? Yes, we're, I'm speaking that one into existence. Uh, Jeremy Hefner has talk, talked him up a lot this spring, which is worth noting. And, of course, like any pitching coach is going to talk up their, their guys, but... <laughs> Jeremy Hefner went to the <laughs> athletic and told him he was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. Stop. Man, this guy sucks. Why is he still on the roster? <laughs> That's Jeremy a book from a lot of people. Corey Oswalt and Jacob Barnes, so that's fun for him. Mm. Those are the two guys he's been talking about the most. So, I mean, yeah, it's a, like you said, it's a pretty pretty good little group of starters there. The bullpen, 
I don't really know really what to make. Obviously, the bullpen is always going to be the most volatile thing of any team. Especially in the minor. Especially, right. I mean, it's always going to be volatile to begin with, and, and players are always going to be kind of shuffling in and out, especially in the minor leagues. Um, right now, just based on the guys that kind of have been sent to the alternate site, um, the bullpen is going to be something with Jerry Blevins, Trevor Hildenberger, Tommy Hunter, Steven Nogasek, Marcel Renteria, uh, Radis Viscaino, Tom Windle, and Joe Zangi. At any point in time, the team can say, you know, hey, Jordan Yamamoto, we like you as a reliever better than starter because your slider is so good, so we want to make you a bullpen guy. Anytime there's a, you know, a, a, a starter in Binghamton who's kind of like, eh, so-so, and they bring him up, and they just don't have any room for him right now, and so we're going to put you in the bullpen. You know, it's extremely hard to project who, who might be in this. But of that group of names, I mean, it's uh, with the exception of Vizcaino, who who is dealing with some injuries right now. Nobody in this group like gives me any kind of confidence. I'm super interested in Vizcaino. Yeah, because he looked good in spring, and he was a good pitcher before. And I wonder if he's the type of guy who like. If he dominates in AAA for a little bit, that they just call him up, and because the pen is so like uh, thin, <laughs> yes. for lack of, I, I would just say bad. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So like, there's a lot of room for shuffling in the major league pen too. It's not only for the AAA pen too. So like, there's a lot of chances for these guys to pop. Like, if one of them pops, they could they could be in the majors before we know it. You know. If he is healthy and his stuff looks good, I think that Viscano could be like the steal of the winter. Yeah, he's someone who's super is interesting to me too. And like I said, I thought he looked good in spring from when I saw him. And I honestly only think he went to AAA because he got hurt like two weeks before the season yeah. and they want him to get more work in. Although actually think of that, they did get Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco for like not really much. So I guess that's going to, that will be the steal of <laughs> the, the yeah. winter in reality, but... Viscano definitely could be a uh, unheralded good signing. Jerry Jerry Blevins also probably going to be down there. Oh, yeah, Blevins, huh? Uh, if he decides to go to AAA, I think he'll he'll show up at some point. Yeah. Yes, one hundred percent. I would I would expect uh, Gilliam, Sapucky, and McWilliams to spend most of the season in the AAA bullpen as well, unless oh, uh, so they decide to. Them. Yeah, I could see them maybe giving McWilliams and or Sapucky more time in the rotation. Um, but uh, personally, I think you make both of them relievers and have to see if they can cut it at AAA. I agree. Now, if you I'll, want to piggyback start them like I, for two innings, I don't. I mean, that's fine, too. Who cares? And I mean, if the Mets are going to mess around with openers in the major league level, um, yeah, I mean, then you could get those guys used to being openers or followers in AAA, too. There's no, you know, kind of prep them for that role if that's what you're looking at because both of those guys could go multiple innings because of their backgrounds. Mm-hmm. I, I could see them doing something similar with Kilame. Um, whether that's in a – he might be more – of those guys, he's probably the one I'd most want to keep as a starter, but I could see them using him as a multi-inning relief type opener, follower, whatever you want to call it. 
it's weird that baseball is changing that this kind of concept of the opener is actually like really seems to be gaining traction. I think it's going to give a lot of guys who would have flamed out otherwise a real chance. Yeah, I mean, a guy like that is in the category not good enough to be a starter, but maybe mm-hmm. not not dynamic enough to be a, a good reliever. So yeah, the the Joey Lucases of the world who yeah yeah could go through the lineup twice, but when you start messing around like a third time, it starts to get a little funky. But you could you could shelter that and. I think it's a I, I, I think it's a way for teams that are like the Rays and don't want to spend money really um, to p- piece together a, a pitching staff because pitching is expensive, and I also think it's a way for a team like the Mets when Carrasco gets hurt and like your fifth starters are like the Yamamoto's and the Lucchese's, you could kind of meld them into like a fifth starter from three people. You know what I mean? And then <laughs> you could turn them into Yamakese. <laughs> it's true though, like. You could really do that, and that's a viable thing in today's major leagues, and that's cool. It's different. Mm-hmm. So overall, projected our our projected lineup of Syracuse here, uh, they look like they could win AAA games. Yeah. Um, doesn't really seem like there's going to be that many impact call-ups if the Mets need to go to, you know, call someone up there are guys though that could have pretty solid seasons that we might not expect you know the guy like the the Viscainos the um like the Malik Smiths the you know Parazas the Jurubris guys like that like they've 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 been there in the major leagues and they could get back there again I could see uh, one name I don't think we mentioned. It. Khalil Lee would be the biggest yeah. impact call up, I think. And I, I think starting him at Double A could make sense, but I also don't think it'll be long before they put him in Triple A, and then he's the most likely, like, big, most likely name here who could make a sizable impact uh, if those swing changes are real. He didn't show great during spring training, but we had a couple of those clips from. The Dominican that looked quite promising. When when you talk about the Mets upper minors, you really realize how much of their talent is like eighteen. Yeah, <laughs> you realize how much like, of it is not there. Like like we're gonna have so much fun in a few weeks talking about like the low levels of the minors because that's where all the all the really exciting guys are. But they're just not here yet. They're just not at Syracuse yet, and. In a few yeah. years, they will be, and then the Syracuse Mets will be super fun. But right now, we're just kind of – they're kind of in an upper minors holding pattern where it's more for major league depth than it is for um, development, which, I mean, when you look at the way the organization's set up, that's what I would do <laughs> if I was Sandy. I'd look at it and be like, all right, well, they're not n- – n- none of these guys are going to block anyone. Malik Smith isn't blocking any outfielder. So sign him, and then, well, that was Brody. But so you, you, you sign him, and then you let him roam the outfield in AAA for a, a year and see what happens. Maybe he figures it out again. Mm-hmm. All right, now let's wrap up with the Will Pondery of the week. And I think that the Will Pondery belongs to Justin Turner. Oh. I don't know. Mm. Oh, 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 okay, yes. Yeah, so basically, <laughs> Cody Cody Bellinger, he hit a home run that Rymel Tapia, he, he got a glove on, but it bounced out of his hands, and then went over the wall, 
and Justin Turner, who is the lead runner, he thought it was caught, and he just started running back to to first base with his head down and like I guess earplugs because he didn't hear, <laughs> he didn't see nobody telling him to stop, <laughs> and he passed Bellinger, so Bellinger was called out, but he did round the bases eventually when everything was cleared up uh, and scored. So Bellinger got an RBI, but it was an RBI single instead of a home run. So he definitely fucked up, and he owes Bellinger a nice steak dinner. As as an owner of Cody Bellinger in two too. fantasy leagues, uh, what the <laughs> fuck? I have him in one. That was pretty bad. But also, you say not paying attention. I say laser focus on his <laughs> task at hand, which was getting back to first base and not getting picked off. How do you not see the first base coach behind first base? Yeah, literally, they literally like, no! <laughs> and the picture of him, like, full sprinting back to first base, and he's kind of blurry because he's running, and Cody Bellinger's like, what are you doing? Or just pointing to the outfield, like, you moron! <laughs> I you, think know, that... you know what this is? This is the latest incentive to pimp your home runs. If Ballinger had p- tried to pimp this and taken his time going to first, wouldn't have walked, gone past Turner. <laughs> That's Always what I think makes flip. the least sense of the situation, is that, you know, it's, this kind of thing happens all the time, where the lead runner will go halfway up the base, they'll go to second and just kind of hold to see what goes on. Like, he had plenty of time to... Yeah. He did. <laughs> back to first base. It's also cores. Like, that outfield's huge. It's not like right. he's in danger of getting picked off here. Really. Like, dude was acting like he was in, like, shallow center, and he was, like, in danger. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Noted intellectual, Justin Turner. <laughs> very true. Very true. <laughs> All right, well, if anyone has... Any um, questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex2queens at gmail.com. Still, please do not send us shrimp. Follow us on <laughs> Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. Thomas is at SZN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you got your podcast from. Rate and review it. And, of course, thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets, love the Mets.